please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It is pretty common for the Psalms to exult over the beauty and magnificence of God's creation. Psalms routinely praise the mountains and the stars, the oceans and fields, streams, and animals, both wild and tame. The Psalms praise God for the abundance of God's creation. In Isaiah, creation itself praises God. Mountain and hill shall burst into song, and trees shall clap their hands, it says. But today's reading from Psalm 36 goes a little farther from what I usually hear. It says that God saves humans and animals alike. The theme of creation appears in Scripture frequently and in varied ways. But Christian interpretation of what this means has also varied widely. Epiphany is the holiday in the church calendar when we remember the visit of those magi foreigners to see the Christ child. The church has taken this to mean that God sent Christ to the whole world, not just to the people of one community. John Wesley echoes this sentiment when he says, The world is my parish. And the United Methodist Church today continues to speak to what it means to claim the whole world as our parish. One of the ways the United Methodist Church speaks to this is through our social principles, which are the United Methodist Church's statements on a variety of social or political issues. Our social principles contain a section called the natural world, which is devoted to exploring how United Methodist Christians are called by our faith to care for the environment. So my theme today is taken from the social principles and what they say about the natural world, but I'm also talking about the importance of having a Christian theology of the environment and what various voices in the Christian community are saying about care for creation. I mentioned that Christian perspectives on the care of God's creation vary widely. In fact, a very influential essay was published in the journal Science in 1967, which argues that the historical roots of our ecological crisis are due in part to the way that a certain Christian worldview has taken root in the West. The essay is written by Lynn White, and here are some brief points from the essay. I'm keeping the actual wording and not making it inclusive. What people do about their ecology depends on what they think about themselves in relation to things around them. Human ecology is deeply conditioned by beliefs about our nature and destiny, that is, by religion. Christianity inherited from Judaism a striking story of creation. By gradual stages, a loving and all-powerful God had created light and darkness, the heavenly bodies, the earth and all its plants, animals, birds, and fishes. Finally, God created Adam. Adam named all the animals, thus establishing his dominance over them. God planned all of this explicitly for man's benefit and rule. No item in the physical creation had any purpose save to serve man's purposes. 
And although man's body is made of clay, he is not simply part of nature. He is made in God's image. Especially in its Western form, Christianity is the most anthropocentric religion the world has seen. Christianity, in absolute contrast to ancient paganism and Asia's religions, not only established a dualism of man and nature, but also insisted that it is God's will that man exploit nature for his proper ends. But as we now recognize, somewhat over a century ago, science and technology, hitherto quite separate activities, joined to give mankind powers which, to judge by many of the ecologic effects, are out of control. If so, Christianity bears a huge burden of guilt. All of that from Lynn White in the journal Science. White goes on then to talk about St. Francis, a saint in the Roman Catholic tradition who preached and embodied a rather different relationship to nature. White says, The key to an understanding of Francis is his belief in the virtue of humility, not merely for the individual, but for man as a species. Francis tried to depose man from his monarchy over creation and set up a democracy of all creatures. With him, the ant is no longer simply a homily for the lazy, flames a sign of the thrust of the soul toward union with God. Now they are brother ant and sister flame, praising the creator in their own ways as brother man does in his. In an effort to claim more of a caretaker or stewardship role of humanity toward creation, the United Methodist Social Principles make a number of statements to help shape our attitudes and actions. The section on the natural world begins with these words. All creation is the Lord's, and we are responsible for the ways in which we use and abuse it. God has granted us stewardship of creation. We should meet these stewardship duties through acts of loving care and respect. Our social principles speak of our earth and its resources as a natural heritage that God has entrusted to all generations. It affirms the inherent value of non-human beings along with, creation, along with humans. It acknowledges that human disregard for God's creation has global impacts. It states, The universe, known and unknown, is the creation of God and is due the respect we are called to give the earth. And this next piece might sound like a bit of a tangent, but the social principles go on to talk about the role of science in understanding our natural world. They state, We find that science's descriptions of cosmological, geological, and biological evolution are not in conflict with theology. And we find that as science expands human understanding of the natural world, our understanding of the mysteries of God's creation and world are enhanced. It sounds like a tangent relative to the earlier passages, but in fact, the way that Christianity relates to science is crucially important for a Christian theology of the natural world in general and a Christian perspective on creation care and our response to climate change in particular. Part of the good news in talking about Christian perspectives on the environment is that it is certainly not just United Methodist 
United Methodists. And it isn't even just mainline or liberal Protestants who are embracing the care of God's creation as a religious duty. In July of 2002, the Christian-organized Climate Forum 2002 brought together more than 70 scientists, policymakers, and Christian leaders. They asserted that the best way to examine the issue of climate change was to be aware of current scientific knowledge as well as to reflect on how care for the earth is integrally linked with core doctrines. Later, over 100 prominent evangelical leaders issued a statement largely stemming from some of those leaders or their colleagues having participated in that 2002 forum. Here are some salient points. As American evangelical Christian leaders, we recognize both our opportunity and our responsibility to offer a biblically-based moral witness that can help shape public policy in the most powerful nation on earth and therefore contribute to the well-being of the entire world. Since 1995, there has been general agreement among those in the scientific community most seriously engaged with this issue that climate change is happening and is being caused mainly by human activities, especially the burning of fossil fuels. Evidence gathered since 1995 has only strengthened this conclusion. The statement also asserts that Christians must care about climate change because we love God the Creator and Jesus our Lord, through whom and for whom the creation was made. This is God's world, and any damage that we do to God's world is an offense against God. Christians must care about climate change because we are called to love our neighbors, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, and to protect and care for the least of these as though each were Jesus Christ himself. And that piece of the statement is made largely in recognition that climate change has a disproportionate impact on the poor. I think also of a British physicist named Sir John Houghton, who served as the co-chair of the Scientific Assessment Working Group of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change from 1998 to 2002. In his testimony before the United States Senate's Energy and Natural Resources Committee in July of 2005, Houghton explained why he's optimistic. People often say to me that I am wasting my time talking about global warming. The world, they say, will never agree to take necessary action. I replied that I am optimistic for three reasons. First, I have experienced the commitment of the world scientific community, painstakingly and honestly working together to understand the problems and assessing what needs to be done. Second, I believe the necessary technology is available for achieving satisfactory solutions. My third reason is that as a Christian, I believe God is committed to creation and that we have a God-given task of being good stewards of creation, a task that we do not have to accomplish on our own because God is there to help us with it. I could go on and on talking about my heroes, Christian leaders in the care of our creation. Our United Methodist social principles clearly articulate a Christian theology that calls us to care for our environment. 
And I know lots of folks in this church have a heart for the environment, a heart that has shown itself already both in study and in action over time in this church and beyond it. So what's next? Is care for our earth an issue that is dear to your heart? Maybe this is your new way or your next way to get more involved here, to join with other folks who are interested in more ways this church can demonstrate our care for God's creation. If you think this might be so, let me know. My hope and prayer this day is that following in the footsteps of John Wesley, affirming the world as our parish, moves us to care for the world the natural world that is God's amazing creation. Amen.